Welcome to Beyond the Show, the interview podcast that brings the educational experience of Cannabis Conference to the airwaves. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Conference and Cannabis Business Times. In this series, we're excited to highlight the world-class operators who will be speaking at the event in just a few weeks, August 24th to the 26th in Las Vegas. You can learn more about the show at CannabisConference.com, and you can go beyond the show, of course, by subscribing to this podcast. This week, we're speaking with Dr. Andrea Small-Howard, the President and Chief Science Officer of GB Sciences. With more than 20 years of scientific research experience, as well as executive experience in the biopharmaceutical industry, supervising research and development, manufacturing, and quality control divisions in both the U.S. and China, Dr. Small-Howard has taken novel biological products from ideation through commercialization. And that's no small task. More recently, she has contributed to published studies on consumer protection issues surrounding medicinal cannabis chemovars in Nevada, co-authored scholarly reviews on cannabinoids in heart disease and Parkinson's disease, co-authored mechanistic studies on cannabinoid and terpene regulation of ion channels, and co-authored an innovative study demonstrating the utility of nanoparticles as delivery vehicles for cannabis-derived therapeutic compounds. Dr. Small-Howard is the architect of a strategic vision at GB Sciences to make safe, effective, standardized cannabinoid medicines available to patients where its use can be supported with rigorous evidence. At Cannabis Conference, she will be speaking on the panel Product Formulation Best Practices, Current Trends, and Where the Future Will Take Us. And that's what she and I talked about in this interview, setting the stage for that discussion in Las Vegas. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Andrea Small-Howard. Well, thanks so much for the time. It's great to get a chance to talk to you ahead of the show. I actually wanted to begin by rewinding the clock a little bit. I was with the Cannabis Business Times group when we were touring GB Sciences, maybe almost three years ago now at this point. And I know uh, that visit, of course, set the stage for a cover story that our managing editor, Brian McIver, wrote. And uh, one of the main phrases that came out of that story, as I recall, is this phrase that you used was clinical cannabis. And I thought that might be a nice place to start if just sort of using that as a starting point to describe GB Sciences, if you could sort of just define clinical cannabis. Sure. One of the things that GB Sciences has been very aware of is the potential for patients and others who simply want to have the access to the medical benefits of cannabis. So the idea behind clinical cannabis was that by pairing known cannabis formulations with studies for their effect, we are gonna make it easier for our patients to reap the benefits without some of the risks of the unknown, right? So if you can have a standardized formulation, do some trials so that you have a sense of the response in, in patients, then you can provide not just a consistent product for customers, but also one that they can rely on what the response, their, you know, what the responses were likely to be. So that was the idea behind clinical cannabis. We were spending we spent a lot of time trying to optimize and standardize the products that we were putting out so that the customer would have the same response every time and couple that with human trials and other trials to predict the effectiveness of those mixtures. And so that's kind of been where, that's kind of where our, our company started. And our data analytics focus, I think really poised us well to jump from there 
into designing drugs for prescription drug markets, which is what we spend a lot of our time doing now. So that's kind of where our transition has been, is from providing reliable products for the state markets to looking to the FDA as a way to expand access across state lines, across international borders. Once you start to get into the prescription market, then patients will have access to it potentially worldwide. So that's kind of where we've been, where we've been headed. Excellent. Certainly a lot of things that I, I want to touch on in that answer uh, that sets up a lot of nice pathways for the conversation. But uh, just real quickly to sort of flip that idea on its head, um, you know, it seems like the opposite of that would be customers or patients who might be experiencing chronic pain or, or even a more specific uh, ailment, just sort of throwing a dart at the dispensary, so to speak, and trying to find what works for them Right, uh, and right. maybe maybe unsuccessfully too. Is is that sort of the opposite of what we're talking about that you're maybe trying to? Yes, and, and, yeah, and, and uh, we we published a paper. I want to say it was in 2018, 2019, something about there. We did a study where we were looking at the chemovars of uh, cannabis that were available in Nevada for a ten for for the first uh, four years of the market. And it was interesting because if you're a patient and you're walking into a dispensary. All you have to go by really is what it says on the label, right? And so one of the things that we found is that there were over, I believe so it's been a few minutes. Uh, there were hundreds of names of cannabis strains on those packages. But when you looked at it from both the chemical profile standpoint and from a genetic standpoint, we did DNA testing on all these samples. We found there were basically five things on the market at that time. And granted, the market has grown since then. But if you're a patient, um, having different options to choose from is really going to help you find the one that works for your symptoms, right? And so it was hard because if you were a patient back then, you were presented with a huge, I mean, literally hundreds of names on those packages, most of them that were the same. And so if you're trying to go in a logical way, like I'll try this and then I'll try this, and one of these will likely help me, the names didn't help you at all, okay? <laughs> so the mm -hmm. more sophisticated patient would be looking at the lab results, right? And there you can see, you know, and, and patients are becoming more and more sophisticated about how they look at those labels. There was a time when THC was the only thing that people were looking for, but we've come way, you know, we've come a long way since those days. It's because people now realize, you know, they should not just be looking at THC, they're looking at their CBD, Lots of patients know about the minor cannabinoids like CBN, CBG, CBC, THCV. These are, you know, we have really sophisticated uh, patient customers now. So those kinds of labels are more helpful. But what we're still missing are some good hard data on how those are going to affect the body in combinations. And so a lot of the work that we've done at GB Sciences on the science part is looking at how the combinations work because we just finished a study literally last week. Um, where we were looking for new novel anti-inflammatory mixtures based on um, different, the different cannabinoids that we had available. And just changing one of the cannabinoids in the mixture had, a, had radical effects on how good it was at being an anti-inflammatory. So if you can imagine going into a dispensary, having just a slightly altered formulation of what you think you're getting could potentially be the difference between it working and not working. So, so I think that's, it's going to be important coming forward for us to be able to help the consumer 
understand how to translate what the back of that label means in terms of what they should expect for results in when they're consuming those products. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I think it sets up uh, this next question here. You know, the term standardized formulation, I think is self-explanatory, but I'm wondering if you can maybe define it, uh, how, you, how you achieve a standardized formulation and, and what that is exactly. Right. So, so different companies approach that differently, right? So on the one hand, there are people who grow under very consistent con you know, indoor conditions. And so to some extent, you can get uh, similar profiles within those strains if you, if you control the growing conditions. But usually, if you're talking about standardization, it's usually going one more, one more step. So that's where you would, you would grow the plant, extract it, do the, do the testing, and then sometimes manipulate by adding extra. So if you have some purified compounds, you can then make sure that it's the same by adding, you know, adding to that base plant extract to make sure that you get those exact minor cannabinoids that you're looking for to be helpful for that particular condition, if that makes sense. If you have a product that is meant to be taken as an edible, you have to deal with first pass metabolism. If you have something that is going to be in a vape pen, that's going to have a completely different profile of how it affects your body. So these are other things that the producers have to be thinking about and consumers should also be thinking about. If you want a product that's long lasting, uh, the effects of edibles tend to be a lot longer acting than something where like, like a vape or something like that. So that's faster acting as far as it, it hits you faster, but it also usually wears off faster. Does that make sense? It does. Is there um, a uh, consumption method, so to speak, that is preferable when you're standardizing formulations like this or, or is it sort of case? It depends case? on the condition you're trying to treat. If mm -hmm. it's a chronic condition like pain, you want things that are longer lasting. So that's where you're going to want your edibles. You're going to want something that it's going to give you a little bit longer window. We're actually experimenting with things called oral nanoparticles, but not every formulation, you know, not every person in a state-run dispensary is going to want to deal with something like an oral nanoparticle. But that's a, those are, uh, oral nanoparticles are, are slow release methods. And if you've got a chronic pain, you want something like that. You want to be able to, to dose once a day um, instead of having to dose continuously. I hear this from people who have pain all the time that, you know, as their symptoms, yeah, as they're on a medication for a long time, it starts to be less effective and they're popping pills all the time. Or if they're using a vape, they're hitting the vape all the time they would love to have something that would maintain pain relief for longer periods of time. So one of the things, like I said, that we're using are these slow release nanoparticles for our pain formulations. And in a rodent model, we found that a single oral dose of nanoparticle gave on average 11 days of relief from a single dose versus if you took those same active ingredients and gave it to the rodent, you had eight hours about of, of relief. And I mean, eight hours is nice, right? But, 11 days is better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so if it's your pain, which do you want? Right. Um, you mentioned uh, the FDA earlier and just sort of the, the regulatory road for things like this. Um, where, or what is the FDA's stance on these types of uh, formulations when we are talking about cannabinoids? Um, sure. Yeah. FDA is open to this. There has been an a, pro a product approved by GW Pharma, and we believe that there'll be more coming. You know, there's certainly more in the pipeline that the FDA is reviewing. And so 
I think the change in perception of the medical value of cannabis has certainly helped with, you know, that sort of, that's actually sort of a, a grassroots kind of movement, right? And it puts pressure on government agencies to respond in kind. And so I think that they're taking these products more seriously than they ever have before. And like I said, we had, we've had an approval in the GW product, um, which was CBD based. And, you know, we've seen what's happened to CBD now, you know, it's, and, and so because there's also this bifurcation now, now that we, from, a legal, from a legal standpoint, a regulatory standpoint, now if you can say, show that things have been produced in a quote unquote hemp strain. And as a scientist, this drives me nuts, right? Because <laughs> hemp and cannabis, hemp and marijuana are the same plant, okay? Sure. But from that legal regulatory standpoint, there's now almost two supply chains, right? So if you're growing medical cannabis, which is any, any cannabis sativa plant with THC value of more than 0.3% THC, um, then you have to use a certain regulatory pathway. If, however, you can show that your products are coming from a hemp strain, then you have a completely different path ahead of you. And so things are going to market without FDA guide, you know, without any FDA guidance, if they come, if you can show that they came out of hemp. So for some manufacturers, that's the route that they're taking. So you'll see all kinds of um, new CBD products. I mean, they're everywhere, as you know. And then the other one that's in that same loophole is the Delta-8 products. So people have found ways to chemically alter um, the extracts that come from, from hemp to make Delta-8. And so that suddenly last year was like the year for, for Delta-8 products to hit the market. And they weren't being scrutinized as a drug because of that sort of you know, the, the dual pathways and so the way that the government treats hemp and, and medical cannabis, like they're two different things. Yeah. And it seems like even, even still, it leaves the door open for further confusion as, as states sort of take a, you know, a, a one-off approach to either banning Delta eight sales. And I don't want to yeah. go, go too far down that road, but it is interesting how uh, the road keeps getting <laughs> split up even more. Confusing, right? So that's it. So GB Science's approach is to take a more traditional, um, you know, we're, we're looking for FDA approval of formulations that are mixtures of cannabinoids. And in some cases, mixtures of terpenes. Um, our, our, pain, our pain formulation is almost all terpenes. Um, and, and we, but we, there is a pathway there for us now to go to the US FDA, like any other drug with the idea, and it's going to be, we, we understand this road is more complicated and there's more hoops, but we believe that by doing that, there'll be a precedent set so that cannabis based products can be first line medicine and not relegated to, well, if nothing else works, why don't you try going to your dispensary? I mean, that's really <laughs> right now, if you're talking to a doctor, there are some doctors that are on the, you know, that are on the cutting edge and that they're much more behind this. But the average doctor would be like, okay, well, we've tried everything else. If you feel like going to the dispensary, you go for it. But he doesn't really have a whole lot of guidance for you, right? Well, yeah, and I think, and that, that is a huge issue right now, um, just for a number of reasons. And, and I suppose one of those might be that um, you have people who are new to cannabis, people who have used it for a long time for any number of reasons. And whether you're talking about different uh, consumption methods or different uh, ratios of the chemical compounds, uh, you end up sometimes getting different effects in, in individuals. Um, so with that idea of 
standardized formulations that you want to take to the FDA, um, what are some ways, and this answer could probably get pretty complicated pretty quickly, but what are some ways to ensure that uh, individual A and individual B are going to be able to rely on product X, a standardized formulation? And so that's a really complicated question. So I'm going to start (laughs) with the standardization of the product. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned before, there are some companies that have gone to the FDA with a plant extract that they would then ensure that the ratios were correct by adding, by by supplementing with purified cannabinoids to make sure they hit their ratio every time. You know what I mean? So there's days when you you don't want to have to just pray that the, that the, uh, that, that the plant's going to be the same as it was in the last crop. Because crop to crop, you just don't know. You, it's just really pretty close, but you, gotta, you don't know. So that is the approach that has been taken where they took a plant extract. They made sure that it had the right amounts of the active ingredients that were stated by supplementing them with purified compounds. Our approach is different. We're using in, you know, individual compa- you know, isolated compounds and mixing them to ratios in a delivery method that is specialized. So for the products that we're going to go to the FDA with, we're, we're working with Catalan Pharma using their Zytus technology for our Parkinson's formulation. So one of the things that's known is that Parkinson's patients have a really hard time swallowing. Greater than 50% of Parkinson's patients you know, report that they, they, have, they can't swallow pills. So by using an oral dissolved tablet, which is what the, the Zytus is, um, the patients will be able to just let it sit on their tongue, it dissolves within 60 seconds, and they absorb the active ingredients um, in, their, in their mouth. And we think that that's going to really improve patient compliance because you can't swallow the pill. You're, you know, it doesn't matter how great that pill is. If you can't swallow it, you're not going to get the effects, right? Um, also, uh, Calen Pharma has a long history of working with big pharma companies to maximize the effectiveness and delivery of their drugs. So we figured they were a great people to go to with this particular technical problem of, well, challenge. Like, how do you get several active ingredients to make sure, you know, in a tablet and make sure that they are all at the right ratios and stabilized correctly? And that's where we believe they're the right team to do that. And they're helping us a lot getting ready for our first in-man trial. Every individual experiences cannabinoids slightly different because cannabinoids are regulated in the human body through the endocannabinoid system. And which is sort of like the system that is the overall homeostasis for our system. And everybody's system is set in a little bit different area. So if your endocannabinoid system is balanced, you're, you know, you're good. But there are lots of conditions like migraines, um, fibromyalgia. A lot of things are being shown that the reason you get those conditions is because you're, you do not have balance in your endocannabinoid system. So if you're a person whose endocannabinoid system is not balanced, you would want a little bit more of those compounds where you're not balanced in versus someone whose endocannabinoid system is on generally very balanced. Does that make sense? And so uh, that is sort of a trial and error. And, and again, sort of just looking at the way a lot of patients and customers interact with um, the dispensaries presently in, the, in these, this array of products, yeah. uh, oftentimes the ratio is sort of the THC to CBD maybe a one-to-one or a two-to-one or a 10-to-one. And as you said, um, patients and consumers are very quickly getting more sophisticated about that and and much more. Um, What are some ways that patients and customers who might be listening to this right now or might be going to the dispensary tomorrow, what are some ways that they can quickly 
grasp um, the difference between certain cannabinoids or what terpenes mean. And I know this might be one-on-one stuff to a lot of people, but uh, when we're talking about these types of formulations, how can the end user begin to wrap their head around uh, what they might need from these products? Sure. So for someone going into the dispensary, what I would recommend doing is looking at the back of that label and looking for consistency. So if you see a profile there and it's working for you, ensure that the next time you come in is the same. Because one of the, they, there was a, a famous study that was being done on children with epilepsy, where they had uh, enrolled a bunch of kids with epilepsy. They were taking an, a plant, a cannabis extract that had a defined ratio of THC to CBD. I believe it was 10 to 1. Okay. And so they had two farmers that were growing it because they were really concerned that what if something happened to one, you know, to, the, to their stock, if they only had one farmer and something happened to the crop, they'd be done. So they gave this to two different farmers. Well, apparently one of the farmers accidentally killed the strain and he didn't report that to the study uh, operators. And he went out and he found another cannabis strain with the exact same ratio of THC and CBD. And so, um, they were like three quarters of the way through the trial. And suddenly the, the kids in half of their substance, in half of their study were having horrible effects. They were having exaggerated symptoms instead of they had been showing a reduction in symptoms. And so when they traced it back, they found that, you know, like I said, the pharma basically did the same thing that happens if your child's, if you're babysitting someone's goldfish and it dies, you go to the store and you find the goldfish that looks as, as similar to it as you can. So the child isn't crying, right? So um, unfortunately we do that in the middle of a clinical trial, the effects are more dramatic. And so the way that they were doing the Q, you know, the, the quality control was they were just looking at THC and CBD. So they didn't catch it until after they had already given it to the kids. And then half of them were having horrible side effects. So they went and did the, the deeper layers of the profile and there are lots of those minor cannabinoids were different. And so that goes to show you that knowing the THC and CBD ratios is a good place to start. But for if it's working for you, make sure you have a sense of what those the ratios are of those minor cannabinoids. Because you aren't because you know I can't tell you. No one can tell you which ones those are going to be important. But we've seen really dramatic results when you alter those minor cannabinoids. And then, like I said, in the detailed scientific research we're we're doing uh, that we just got the data back on. Yeah, just changing one in a mixture can suddenly have a dramatic effect on, on whether it works or it doesn't work at all. Yeah, it's um, sort of a, a delicate balance for sure. It's a delicate balance. So for, for now, the best thing you could do is look for consistency. And when you find that one that works, know as much about what's, what's in it so that you can try to, to keep on the, the thing that's working for you. Yeah. Um, you know, while we're talking here, and I know that, um, again, uh, we've been very pleased to, to feature you and GB Sciences uh, in the past in, in Canvas Business Times, um, but did want to take a moment here uh, in this setting to, to ask you something that I've been asking other speakers, which is sort of rewinding the clock a bit more. Um, what were some of the main, or what were some of the main motivations, I suppose, for working with cannabis? And I know that cannabis isn't uh, immediately in the, in the foreground necessarily, um, as we've talked about, but what were some of the things that got you into this line of work as opposed to non-cannabis? For me personally or for the company? For you personally. <laughs> me personally. Okay, so I'm a biochemist by training, okay? And as a postdoc, 
I was studying the effects of cannabinoids on the immune system. And it was some of the most rewarding work that I ever did, but it was also some of the most challenging because in an academic setting, it is really, really hard to get access to the materials you need, like ridiculous amounts of hoops to jump through to just get access to the materials. And then to get the funding that you need even, was even more difficult at that time because the only place where you could get funding to do cannabis work was the National Institutes of Drugs of Abuse. And you can just imagine how favorable they were to hearing about anything good about cannabis. So every, every grant we ever wrote had to start with a giant paragraph about how bad cannabis was, even though we didn't necessarily believe it. But we knew that in order to be eligible to get money from the, the drugs of abuse people, we had to talk about it as a drug of abuse when really we were looking for therapeutic opportunities. <laughs> so, um, so for me, I saw an opportunity as, as the medical cannabis industry started to really blossom back and I joined about 2014. I saw a great opportunity where suddenly people were looking at the positive benefits of the plant. And by joining a cannabis company, I had access to the plant and access to the capital markets because we were a publicly traded company. So it was a pretty good day the day that we got to start doing <laughs> all kinds of fun things with the plants, all kinds of things at the chemical level and doing some research that I hope that, you know, in the long term is really going to help lots of people and, you know, also, you know, inspire people to ask different questions. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And of course, those questions are being asked and answered uh, within GB Sciences. We've talked a lot about the, the work that you've been doing um, Outside of, of GB Sciences, whether that's in Nevada or, or elsewhere, I suppose, um, are you seeing trends moving in this direction toward sort of standardized formulations, toward thinking about uh, cannabis and also cannabinoids and terpenes in this way? Um, it seems to me like uh, you and, and the company are, are fairly on the front lines of this, but are you seeing the, the headwinds moving in, in this direction? Not so much from the... So in, the, in sort of the retail market for, for cannabis, I don't necessarily see so much focus on formulations and standardization in this way. But that said, what I do see, the things that excite me are that patients are coming in and they're asking for things that are beyond THC and CBD. They're coming in looking for profiles of minor cannabinoids. They're coming in looking for the different isoforms of THC. And they've, they've really thought about you know, about these things. So I think the recognition that the plan has more to offer than just, you know, Delta 9 THC and CBD is important for us to really tap into the potential of this plant for recreational and for medical uses. And so that's yeah. a trend that I, I expect that to trend to continue for us to continue mm -hmm. to find things within the plant that we can then highlight its benefits of through its incorporation into different products. And so the great thing is, you know, you can, you can find, not, it's not just finding strains that are enriched in, in other minor cannabinoids. There are edibles. There are always a whole variety of products that you can find on the market now that are enriched in these different minor cannabinoids, as well as people are trying to get into the terpenes. Terpenes are just a little bit more of a challenge in some settings because terpenes are very small molecules that their job is to be fragrant. So they kind of go into the air. So it's hard if you're a formulator to make sure you know how much is in there because it just evaporates on you which is a, an interesting technical challenge. But it also gives some of the enjoyment of, but for people who love the cannabis plant, part of their enjoyment is the taste and the smell. And that's a lot that has to do with the terpenes. We've also published papers talking about where we've demonstrated that those same terpenes interact specifically with different receptors in our bodies to have important consequences for pain, reducing pain, for 
things like inflammatory responses and other things like that. So it's great that part of what makes the plant enjoyable for, for consumers also is part of what can be used for its medical benefits. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of a nice uh, bit of uh, momentum there within the plant itself and, and how the market works. Um, you know, uh, I guess looking ahead, um, I know we were just talking about trends there, so maybe this is uh, sort of the same question, but looking ahead to the next six months or so, what are um, some of the goals that you're hoping to achieve, um, you know, sort of within GB Sciences with some of the projects that you've already mentioned? Uh, what should uh, we be paying attention to from the outside looking in as well? So I'm going to start, I'm going to go back to what you started with, clinical cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a goal of mine and a goal of our company to get standardized cannabinoid-containing products into human trials with the FDA. And so we're laser-focused on getting our Parkinson's therapeutic to first-in-man trial. And right coming right behind that will be our pain formulations, which, as I mentioned before, are primarily terpenes that we've had to encapsulate so that they don't evaporate on us. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, so with that in mind, obviously, uh, you know, busy, uh, busy months ahead, as, as always in this industry, um, we're going to be gathering a Canvas conference in just a few short weeks here, um, and sort of continuing this conversation in, in panel discussion form. Uh, yeah. What are you hoping that attendees can take back to their business um, after, after the conference, uh, specifically with regard to this panel discussion on, on product formulations? What are some things that they might be able to enact within sure. their business, uh, either long-term long or short-term. So my hope is that there will be more of a, of a focus on standardization. Because like I said, if you're a patient that's coming in and you find something that's working, it, you really want it to be there next time that you're looking for it. Um, I don't know that there's been a lot of consumer pressure about that, but that's certainly, certainly something to strive for. Uh, also, exploring delivery modes. Um, I know that, like I said, there's, there's quite a variety of different products on the market these days. Beverages are really important category for everybody. Um, and so I think that's another great opportunity. You know how like there's the energy drink trays, you know, having, yeah. a, a, having sort of a, a you know, like a shot based energy, but for other therapeutic needs would be a great way for the market to go forward. And so I think, I know that beverages is a category that, that we expect will be important. I think we should also be looking outside of that too, to other things like, um, so, so there are some of the oral dissolved strips, you know, the oral thin films that are available. I think for medical purpose, at least, those are an excellent uh, delivery method. And those are one of my favorites for the market, like for the cannabis retail market. And so, yeah, having people expand into those areas is going to be great for patients, I think. Absolutely. Well, certainly a lot to uh, to watch out for in, in the near future here. And I think, you know, we're just excited to, to get together and, and have these sorts of conversations highly concentrated in a, in a yeah. few days uh, out there. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. Definitely. Uh, well, Dr. Small Howard, thanks so much for the time today and, and joining us uh, here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. And that's a wrap on Episode 7 of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Andrea Small-Howard. We're going to be picking up that thread out in Las Vegas in just a few weeks. Again, if you're listening to this episode as it comes out, 
Uh, we're just a few weeks out from Cannabis Conference 2021. It'll be out in Las Vegas, and we're all very excited to get out there. Uh, Dr. Andrea Small-Howard will be speaking along with many other great speakers, some of whom have appeared on the podcast, many of whom will join us in the coming weeks and months. You can read all about them at CannabisConference.com. And of course, stay tuned every Friday morning for future episodes of Beyond the Show.